0: Shten an Indo Askeliger.
1: Time emon earti end of Chacht Aracharp. A gasuligum a machan shaw
0: girfader echher in len lenov winter thing. Shkilti fiss turmi. Pasha to si recha nach fetoch arra igorn an chashin echo. We enter me omgrev or Shachten. <laughs> <laughs> find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Please be advised that today's podcast contains content that some listeners may find distressing on today's episode of the Indo-Daily.
1: Lucy Letby, on each of the seven offences of murder and the seven offences of attempted murder, I sentence you to imprisonment for life. The order of the court, therefore, is a whole-life order on each and every offence, and you will spend the rest of your life in prison.
0: Those were the words of Judge Mr Justice Goss as he sentenced Lucy Letby to spend every remaining day of her life in prison.
1: The nurse Lucy Letby has been found guilty of murdering seven babies and attempting to murder six others, making the 33-year-old the UK's worst child killer in modern times.
0: Letby's conviction came after a lengthy trial in which it was revealed she kept notes on her victims and stalked their parents online.
1: When police arrested Lucy Letby and searched her home, they found hospital records stored in shopping bags under her bed. Some included the names of babies she killed. Tucked inside was a post-it note filled with words and phrases, including, ''I am evil. I did this.''
0: She has never admitted it, never apologised, and never
1: said why. There was a deep malevolence bordering on sadism in your actions. You have no remorse. There are no mitigating factors.
0: Joining me to discuss this harrowing case and its implications, The Belfast Telegraph's crime correspondent, Alison Morris. Alison, once again, you're very welcome to The Tell. This is a, a podcast, and we've been discussing it just before we started recording, that it is... Beyond surreal, it is truly unbelievable, and it is incredibly shocking. But I suppose we must start by asking Lucy Letby. Remind us what she was convicted of.
1: So, Lucy Letby was a a thirty-three-year-old neonatal nurse, and she had been working in the Countess of Chester Hospital in their neonatal unit between two thousand. It was June two thousand and fifteen and June two thousand and sixteen. And during that time, she was accused of murdering seven babies and trying to murder six more. Originally, she was investigated for trying to murder 10 other babies. The true extent of her activities is still not known. And the inquiry into that is also going to look at her work placement, which was in a hospital in Liverpool, to see if there's any link between her um, behaviour in the Chester Hospital and there. But... The, I mean, this case. She said it's 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 harrowing beyond words. It's you know the only thing people have spoke to me about this week. The amount of mothers who have you know said, have you read the story and read the detail? It is really horrific. And it, the trial has been going on for such a long time, like it's like ten months long. And some of the court reporters who have sat through that trial, when it came to her being sentenced, um, as she was this week, were sitting sobbing along with the the families of the victims because they just became so invested in this awful case.
0: She was a nurse, as you said, in a neonatal unit dealing with babies. Her patients are literally helpless. Um, I suppose the question is, and it's a question we all have, because we're all very vulnerable if we find ourselves in hospital. Not even if we're just patients, but as relatives because we don't have the information, we don't have the knowledge, we don't, you know, we we barely understand what we're being told. And Medical professionals, therefore, have an awful lot of power we and we must trust them. you know we trust the people who carry out operations who who help women to give birth so I think that's one of the shocking parts of it it's this it's this breach of trust, but I suppose we must ask, and it's very very technical, but how did she possibly get away with it not once, not twice, but again and again and again
1: well, these were these were very sick babies. There were babies who were in the nail nail unit, which usually means they're babies who are born very early. So they're born premature and they're born with with complications. And anyone that's ever had a sick baby knows how traumatic that is. And as you say, unless you're a medical professional yourself, well then your child is in the hands of the doctors and nurses who are looking after them, most of whom, you know, are literally earth angels who are walking around saving lives. In this case, um, Lucy Letby, I suppose for so long and this is what the inquiry will have to look at is how she slipped under the radar because we'll get to it in a minute about how the whistle was blown and not listened to but she was described bizarrely as one of the investigators who was looking at this case said she was very beige was her description of her I don't think there's really uh, anything that stands out in describing Lucy Letby I would say she is beige as a person she was just very ordinary very normal they've quite a dull Life, She, you know, um, was someone who sort of, I suppose, all her life had sort of lived slightly under the radar um, in terms of that. But what they were told was that this all started in June 2016 was when they believed that the first um, babies lost their life. And the court was told that she had been on a a trip to Ibiza with some friends. She texted one of her colleagues to say, you know, well, what's going on? you know, I'll be back to work soon and she says, she she texts the colleague back to say she would be back with a bang was the quote that was read out in court and within 72 hours two triplet siblings so a mother uh, who'd give birth to three very small babies lost two of her children um, within the space of a few hours she told the The trial that the message was just referencing what she said was going to be a very busy week. But the prosecution was saying she was out of control and was playing God with these little babies' lives. And it was an insight into her frame of mind. Um, The way she was killing them was not always the same. So if she'd obviously used the same method, maybe it would have been noticed much sooner. And these babies are very sick babies and they do sometimes die. She was accused of injecting air into some of the baby's bloodstreams, which would kill them. She was accused of overdosing some of them with insulin, which was something that couldn't she couldn't explain away in any way. When she was put in the dock to give evidence, she admitted that someone had to be harming the babies, but denied that it was her removing breathing apparatus or sabotaging their car in other ways. One of the the, the babies, they said, she had forced a feeding tube down its throat so violently that its be airways all filled with blood. Um, but it wouldn't be till two years later that she would finally be arrested. This is despite the fact that a year two previously... Two
0: years and two years of being, being on shift.
1: No, she was moved. This is where I think that the hospital really has questions to answer. She was moved off that unit a year previously after concerns were raised by several consultants about what was going on. Um, and she was moved into an administration role. And at that point, what they call collapses, the baby collapses, they don't say the die, so they go into a collapse car. um They stopped. A doctor who helped catch Lucy Letby and bring her to justice has told ITV News that hospital bosses took two years to alert the police despite consultants repeatedly raising concerns. The the fact is that she was moved into an admin role and then bizarrely despite the fact this is a woman in her 30s, her parents said they were going to complain to the General Medical Council about it and insisted she be given an apology because by the the consultants who had raised concerns about her.
0: Lucy Letby took out a grievance, with doctors forced to write this apology to her. Dear Lucy, we would like to apologise for any inappropriate comments that may have been made during this difficult period. We are very sorry for the stress and upset that you have experienced in the last year. Please be reassured that patient safety has been our absolute priority during this difficult time.
1: Um, I mean, there's there's so many facets and aspects to this, not just... I suppose the main one that people have been concentrating on this week is this woman refuses to accept any guilt. She still maintains her innocence and in fact refused to appear in court.
0: And there's now calls from doctors for NHS managers to be held to account because it does seem that they were flagged up. And reading through some of the notes, and the notes are far too extensive for a podcast, but one doctor in particular, he knew there was something wrong and he, 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 he did his best to, 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 to flag this to his managers and he was told to shut up.
1: Yeah, there was there was two paediatricians who who sort of blew the whistle, let's say. One was a, a guy called Dr Stephen Breary and the other one was a, a Dr Ravi Jaram and Dr Ravi Jaram seems to be the hero of this piece in terms of the fact that he literally put his own career on the line and went against what was being told him by those NHS managers who told him that he would, um, that he shouldn't make a fuss and they were told that they would bring the, the reputation of the hospital into disrepute if they were going to make too much of a fuss.
0: The very first thing that Tony Chambers, the chief executive, said to us, well, I can see how that might be a very convenient explanation for things. And then Tony Chambers finished off by saying, so she's coming back to work, and this is the most chilling thing. I'm drawing a line under this, you will draw a line under this, and if you cross that line, there will be consequences for you.
1: But a letter was eventually sent to the police saying there were concerns about what was going on in the neonatal unit and it took a year from then before Lucy Leppie would be arrested. And at that stage, the police detectives are saying that they went into this with a really open mind just because they were like, well, start at the beginning, let's explain how many children have died in this unit or been injured on this unit. Um, And the rotas formed a major part of it. So they started looking through the rotas to see when these incidents were occurring. And there was one common thread that ran through them. So some of these incidents happened occurred when some nurses and doctors were on duty and some of them happened when other nurses and doctors were on duty. But all of them happened when Lucy Leftby was on duty. And so that was then their starting point. She ran through the entire thing like a thread. And then they had to then go back and look at how many babies she was in the sole care of when this happened and when they went into collapse and how many chip babies she'd been in the care of maybe shortly before they went into collapse. And they started then piecing it together
0: unfortunately of course as as you mentioned um some of some children born premature are very ill and sometimes they don't survive and we know that but clearly the sheer amount of incidents was very concerning and this has sparked this investigation and this this examination of the rota, that nevertheless could be described as circumstantial evidence.
1: It was. And then there were, so you suppose every case starts, unless someone's caught, you know, as they say with a smoking gun in their hand, every case starts with circumstantial evidence and then they build a case around it. So circumstantially they knew this woman had those concerns raised about her. She was the person who was on duty during all of these incidents. And then they then have to start looking for other evidence. So they they got um, experts in to look at it, people who were experts in neonatal care. And they were given all of the files of all of these babies who were either dead or had had collapses. And some of them have been left with life-changing injuries, which means they'll require care for the rest of their life. And they started going through them to say, could this be... A coincidence, a terrible coincidence, but it could just be a coincidence. These are sick babies, you know, could this have happened? And they come back and said, no. That this could not be a coincidence. And in some of the cases, such as the case where the babies had been injected with insulin, there's no other explanation other than someone deliberately tried to harm them. So then they knew that there was somebody in this hospital who was killing babies. And then you have to go back and look and say, right, well, we know she was on duty and we know then. So how did these babies die? Where was she at this particular time? Who's seen her? What was going on? And then they obviously got enough evidence that they felt they had enough to arrest her and search her house. And that was when they found post it notes where it was what appeared to be some sort of confession to herself and also they found um, hospital notes that she had removed from the hospital which were um, which linked back to these babies, to these victims, where she had taken them home. Why she had taken them home was a part of the cover-up, was it some sort of sick trophy? And also they noticed what was what was even more strange was that she had spent a lot of time then looking up on Facebook and social media the parents of these children specifically, on the anniversary of their baby's death or in special anniversaries like that, which seems incredibly ghoulish, you know, as if she was trying to see what was their reaction, what was their grief like incredibly chilling. at those times.
0: Alison, she was convicted of the murder of seven babies and uh, the attempted murder of six more. Now, sh- the the jury, after 110 hours of deliberations, were unable to reach verdicts on six other charges of attempted murder. Uh, it's, it's Could there be more victims?
1: Those those parents, I'm assuming, I'm sure will have very strong views on whether they believe that Lepi was responsible for the injuries caused to their child or not. Um, but the fact is that criminal court cases are rightly that it has to be. The jury has to consider that this person was guilty of these crimes beyond reasonable doubt. And if there was doubt in a number of those cases, well, then it's much safer of a conviction to say, let's cast those aside, albeit as awful as that must be for the families of those poor children. And say, these are the cases where we believe as a jury, having listened to 10 months of evidence, 10 months of very complicated medical evidence at times, three weeks of Lucy Lettby in the standard shelf giving evidence, evidence from a doctor who we were told that she had an infatuation with who actually gave evidence anonymously from behind a screen um, to protect his identity um, all of this took place and this jury witnessed every single day of it for the rest of us, you know we dip in and out to news reports of these things but if you're a jury and that you know you're, you are consumed, you listen to every piece of the evidence let us trust the fact that the judicial process was as stringent as it could possibly be I have to hand it to the investigator and the authorities in England because a complicated case like that in Northern Ireland I mean, you'd still be waiting eight years from now getting through to the courts but the sentencing and remarks and sentencing are live televised. Now when I say live televised there is a delay in case there is say a violent reaction from a defendant in court which sometimes happens people are fine, you know, given a sentence and they shout out or they try and jump out of the dock but apart from the delay it's live we don't have that here in England since... Um, July last year at the judge's discretion crown court cases murder cases um, the sentencing can be televised by a number of media outlets I think at this stage it's only the BBC ITV Channel 4 Sky and PA Media also these families got to read out their victim impact statements which is when there was not a dry eye in the house including from people who would probably consider themselves quite hardened members of the media that wouldn't happen here. Here we do have uh, victim impact statements, and they are referenced usually by the judge in sentencing in terms of what he has read. Because the judges he or she will read every word of the victim impact statements, but the families themselves don't get to read them out in court. That is something that I have never seen before.
0: The other big issue from this, and I'm saying big issue, really, it's a small issue in some ways when we look at the gravity of the crime. But it's it has really really hurt people and it has really hurt the families and it has really exercised politicians and the media that she did not go to the dock to be sentenced.
1: Look, as we sit here now, Lucy Leppie is still in denial about what she has done. She still denies. She gives three weeks of evidence. It was noted by those in court that when she had to speak about herself and her life and her cats she cried but when she was given evidence about what happened to the baby she didn't in fact the, the one of the, the prosecution barrister actually pointed this out and said why do you never you only cry when you're talking about yourself um, it, court reporter said she showed no emotion as the evidence about how the, the, the babies and some of them had died and, and you know, I don't mean to make this worse for anyone who's lost a baby or involved some of these babies died in terrible pain and this was said in court you know these weren't like the little baby went to sleep and that was it and some of them she caused injuries that you know would have meant they, they died in an awful way and one of the mothers said that she's haunted by the fact that this woman was the last person to hold her baby while she was alive, you know, can you think about that? Someone who murdered your baby and they were the last person that had them in their arms Um, she should have been made to listen to the family's victim impact statement she will get those, that bundle will be given to her in prison and along with um, Justice Goss's Summing up and sentencing remarks, which you know he did not miss and hit the wall like when he he came out and what he said about her. He actually said she was a, it was a cruel, calculated, cynical campaign of child murder involving the smallest and most vulnerable of children. These you know wee babies you could hold in the palm of your hand. My wee grandchild was born very early and her little head was the size of a tennis ball, and she was the fragilest little thing. And I can't imagine, you know, these babies would have been even smaller than that. Um. She refused to come out. Rishi Sunak is saying they're going to look at legislation that would compel people that they have to come and, and be present when they be sentenced. It, it sort of already exists. You can use reasonable force to make someone attend a court. It's never used. I think some journalist asked yesterday and there was no figures as to when it had ever been used. I'm not in favour of dragging people, you know, kicking and screaming in handcuffs if, you know, the parents of those children and the the absolute hell that they have been through in terms of this trial and listening to the sentence and everything that went through it would that experience have been made any better by having her dragged, you know, kicking and screaming with people holding her hands and feet and thrown into a dock I'm not sure it would, I think it would have been even more distressing for them I do think she should have had to listen to it and I realise her. It's angered a lot of people, but it will not make it doesn't make any difference to what's going to happen. She spent the rest of her life in prison anyway, whether she listened to it or not. You know, so she can spend it, you know, she can be in denial. You can say, I didn't do that, but she's now being convicted by a jury of her peers. She's been sentenced and whether she appeared or not, it's not going to make any difference to that.
0: Is there any danger of an appeal?
1: Her barrister, I noticed in his, his summing up comments um, offered no mitigation that is always a big red flag for me that an appeal is coming down the road because if you offer mitigation and say well look the reason she did it was X, Y and Z or in her defence and this is where you get the defences so you'll hear people say things like you know she was suffering from mental illness she had post-traumatic stress you know addiction issues terrible childhood all of the things that people offer In mitigation, no mitigation was offered in this case because that would indicate that she believes that she can still get an appeal. But you do not have an automatic right to appeal. You have to have reasonable grounds and you also have to then make an application for an appeal. And that has to be done within 28 days. So we will know very, very soon. That goes through the the Court of Appeals Criminal Division. Um, They have to think that they have to decide that there is sufficient merit for the case to be brought back before the courts. And that would need to mean that something went significantly wrong with that trial, either in terms of why the evidence was presented, in terms of maybe witnesses or disclosure being, it would have to be like serious disclosure was withheld from the jury. Or it would have to be that the judge made a complete mistake in the summing up. And there's no indication that any of that has happened in this case You do have an automatic right to appeal sentence, but that's never going to. She's never going to get a day taken off her sentence because um, when we talk about mitigating factors and aggravating factors, one of the biggest aggravating factors you can do in terms of guilt is to put your the the families of your victims through very very lengthy trials and then refuse to show any remorse whatsoever for anything that you've done. She hasn't showed remorse. She showed remorse for the predicament she's found herself in. She's cried for herself. She cried for her cats.
0: There's no chance of her saying, well, Mm. you know, in 50 years I would be a different person.
1: Well, she can tell them that in 50 years and that's the thing, you know. Would she ever have grounds in the future to appeal her sentence and go in front of the poll commissioners and ask them to let her out? That's for the future. Right now, she's a, a woman who is a convicted serial killer who has shown no remorse and who's refusing to accept her guilt or even face the consequences of her actions. So in terms of her sentence, I would say that's pretty safe in terms of her conviction, unless something went wrong that I haven't seen and there's nobody who's sat through those courts and none of the experts have raised the fact that they had concerns about how it's done. We do have some armchair legal experts now trying to unpick it apart on social media, um, but that is, you know, basically what happens in every case that has any kind of profile now. You know, that is the wild west, that is the internet. And I really hope that no, no, nobody who, who lost their child sees any of it.
0: Do we have, and we're speculating now, let's put up yeah. a big red flag, we're speculating. Do we have any indication as to motive at all?
1: There was no real motive that was presented other than she was clearly infatuated with a consultant, a doctor who worked in the hospital. She had an infatuation for him, what the nature of their friendship was. It appeared quite close in terms of some of the messages that were exchanged between them. When a child had a baby, had a collapse, as they call it, he would more often than not be the doctor on call. He would have to rush to the scene to try and see what can be done to try and resuscitate this child or try and get this child um, back on track again. They speculated that she was doing it to try and get him into basically the vicinity of where she was working and also there was text message that showed him, you know, comforting her and telling her, you know, what a great nurse she was. So was it, you know, you know, for sympathy in terms of, of that or is it, you know, uh, Munchaisen's by proxy type thing where she just became addicted to the grief and the fact that she was looking up the people whose children who she had murdered social media on the anniversary of their baby's death also the, the the dates that these children were dying on was said to be significant, many of them were dying on what they called the due date, so if you have a premature baby and it's born you know, 8 weeks, 9 weeks premature on a mark somewhere will be the date that they were meant to be born and you, you know the hospital tries to get them to that date and get them to the point, so it would have been on that date that they were dying or on a date that they were scheduled to be released from hospital so she was picking sort of significant dates they weren't random, they weren't just you, down on random days, um, and then looking them up. So, who knows? She seemed would to give evidence, as I say it, her her remorse, and for someone who came from a very normal upbringing with very loving parents, you know, doing what would be considered to be, you know, a really stable and admirable career, she's seen someone who was quite self consumed in terms of herself rather than, um. Someone who, if they were innocent, as she claimed they would be, would just be devastated that these little babies had lost their life in your car, I imagine. I mean, I am speculating what I'm thinking about. How would you feel?
0: Well, I think we're all speculating. I think we're all speculating. Yeah,
1: and I know people said, and if you were innocent, would you not stand at your own sentencing and say to your barrister, tell that judge? I refuse to accept this. I am innocent. This is a miscarriage of justice and I'm going to appeal it. Do you appeal it? You know, that's, I suppose, what a lot of people are saying. Well, that's what I would do in the circumstances. You know, who knows? Who, who knows what goes through very... She's clearly a woman who doesn't think the same way as the rest of us anyway. So you're, you're trying to get inside the head of someone who's not thinking rationally anyway.
0: Can I ask you a final question? And uh, There's an irony to this question because I'm making a podcast about Lucy Letby. And I'm actually going to put her name in the title. So I understand this is, this is hypocrisy from my point of view. But would it be better if we never mentioned her again or especially her name?
1: I think that it is important that her name is mentioned because what we have seen here is not just some random act where this woman managed to pull the wool over people's eyes. We have seen two very senior consultants continually raise concerns. Other members of staff raise concerns. um, And what we have questions here about the power of NHS administrators and managers over the people with actual medical training who are saying to them, you know, if you're telling and let's, you know, I'm being probably being unkind here, but you're telling the bean counters, look, listen, I'm the doctor here and there's something going on. They're saying, well, no, maybe there isn't. And at one stage, you know, these doctors were even ordered to apologise to this woman. I mean, that is quite bizarre. And I do think that the story here is also, is those poor families, the grief that they've been through, everything that's happened, But also, what went wrong in that hospital? I mean, they were saying at one stage within a space of 14 days, three babies died in that hospital. A neonatal unit, children do get sick and they do die. The average is two to three a year in a large neonatal unit like the hospital that she was working in. This was happening on a weekly fortnightly basis and yet she got away with it for for a full year. So... No, I think that we should talk about it. I think that the, the, the big question now is about the inquiry. The inquiry while independent is not a statutory inquiry and a statutory inquiry is needed to be able to compel and call witnesses. So some people could just say, I don't want to cooperate with that and they don't have to. But if it was a statutory inquiry, it would be like a court case where they would actually be summoned and they would have to come and give evidence. So I do think that that is where the story is going to go to next. Um, this should be and the government should order this to be done on a statutory footing. Who's going to be held responsible? in terms of who, could have, could this have been stopped earlier? That's the question. If it was able to be stopped earlier, who is responsible for that? And all of those questions need to be answered. So I do think that just as when Wayne Cousins was convicted, the story then moved on to once he was behind bars to the Metropolitan Police, to the culture within the Metropolitan Police, what was going on within the Metropolitan Police, is there a misogynist culture, was a blind eye turned to his behaviour and others. The questions here is exactly the same. What went wrong in that hospital and is this culture does it exist in other hospitals? Is there a you know a protection of reputation above those who feel the need to whistleblow? And I do think that, you know, there should be praise given to those two doctors who put their own career and ambition aside in order to make sure that this did get to the point where it became a police investigation.
0: Alison Morris, Crime Correspondent with the Belfast Telegraph. Thank you very much. This episode of The Bell Tell was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from ITV, the BBC, Channel 4, and Sky. If you've been affected by today's episode, you can check out a list of helplines at independent.ie forward slash helplines.